When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 2,469 of the number one podcast on Apple Podcast, The Job Search. You're listening or watching. Do this again. You're listening to or watching No BS Job Search Advice Radio. I'm Jeff Altman, the big game hunter, and welcome. I did an interview with Alicia Ramsdell recently about finding career fulfillment, happiness, and satisfaction. And there's a methodology that we're going to go through, some forms that you can download from our website that I'll have a link to in the show notes that will help you a lot. So uh, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Give it a great review wherever you listen to it or watch it. It does help other people discover it. And we'll be back in just one moment. So my guest today is Alicia Ramsdale. Alicia is the founder and CEO of Mindful Career Path, where she sets the vision and guides clients to develop their career stories in a mindfully enthusiastic way. Coinciding with her own daily meditation practice, she brings a unique holistic approach to career coaching. Prior to launching Mindful Career Path, she gained career development experience as a 15-year corporate industry professional, where she co-led undergraduate students in their internship experience, participated in the hiring process for employees, and pioneered a career development program for young professionals. Alicia, welcome. Thanks for making time today. Absolutely. Anytime I can give no BS job advice, I'm I'm in. Yeah, you're you're, you're part of the program. There we go. <laughs> so for many people, they're feeling miserable or tuned out or disengaged. There used to be a lot of good days that they would talk about where they were excited to talk about your day or about their day. But now they're kind of miserable and tuned out. So can there really be career fulfillment, satisfaction, and happiness again? And we know the answer is, of course, because that's the purpose of the show today, helping people reconnect again. So I, I understand you were your first coaching client. How did you start pulling it together again uh, and find the right way for you? This is my favorite question. So if you would ask me, in my previous professional lifetime, um, is career fulfillment even possible? I would have said maybe. I would have said, you know, career fulfillment could be possible, but that can't coincide with job security. That can't coincide with the big paycheck. And I really didn't think that you could wake up every day, go into work, do what you love, and also reap the financial and job security benefits. Now, fast forward to today, like you mentioned, I've had the corporate America experience. I'm the owner of my own career coaching business. I know that career fulfillment is uh, is attainable. It's just putting in that time, putting in that energy to seek out what that actually means to a specific individual. And as you mentioned, the storyline here is where I came from, right? I was at a point in my corporate America life that I 
wasn't feeling what I thought I should be feeling at that point. So what I started to do is I started to look back and say, all right, when I come home and I want to talk about my day and I'm really excited to share about this great thing that happened to work, what's the common theme throughout all of those stories? And for me personally, it wasn't the accounting and tax work that I was doing, right? It was the, when I had the opportunity to work in a career development setting with the college interns that came through uh, our company, our department. When I was developing careers for students in my higher education classes as an adjunct professor, that's when I was excited to come home and talk about my day. Um, and from there, I pivoted and transitioned into my role now uh, but it took time and energy to really hone in on, well, what do those responsibilities actually mean? Interesting. And if somehow you engaged in a process with yourself that helped you figure it out. Yeah, I, I notice accounting and tax just doesn't, doesn't feel exciting. What a surprise. Um, <laughs> and working with people did. But how did you ultimately sort it out? Did you create a process that helps you helped you and now you're using to help other people yeah it was really a two-step process so what i did is and it's known as the four quadrant exercise i completed a four quadrant exercise for myself but then the second step which is probably the most important is aligning it to actual job descriptions and i can walk through that process with you if you want me to go step by step of course that, that's what you're here for. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So whether whether you're a college student, right, and you're going through coursework and or uh, internships, or you're per, a professional 15 years in, we're all working towards something, right? And let's take that something, whatever that something is, and make it meaningful. So an exercise that I run through, that I ran through with myself, but now with clients, is known as the four quadrant exercise. And the learning objective here is really. When we complete this exercise, we're going to be able to identify and then connect the areas where we're knowledgeable, successful, and or want to learn more about, right? Where do we want to put the time and energy in our careers? And, and this resource is available on my website, so we can certainly put that in the show notes later. But let's take a walk through this exercise to see what it actually looks like. Imagine a piece of paper, right? And you break it into four squares. Right. And then that top left square, what I ask my clients to do is write down areas or responsibilities. Again, it could be coursework. It could be internships. It could be your actual professional job. Where do you like what you do and you're knowledgeable in? Right. You're that go to expert. Um, and if that's the top left quadrant. The second quadrant is on the bottom left. And in that bottom square, I ask my clients to write down areas where they want to do more of, but don't necessarily have that knowledge base yet, right? And these really, you can take away from these, they become the learning opportunities or those exploration topics to devote more time into, right? So, And that supports the existing career uh, and what you do there. Am I, am I interpreting correctly? Absolutely, yes. And so now, like you said, everything on this left side are areas where you can communicate to management, to leaders, to teams that you want to be a part of, right? And raise your hand and get more involved. And so now, not only do you know that this is what you want more of, but also your surrounding network is going to know that this is what you want more of because you're communicating this out loud. And they're going to seek you out 
for these types of opportunities, for these types of projects, for these types of um, job opportunities moving forward. Gotcha. So the left is the current environment, what you want to do more of, what you have to be good at, and the growth edge is there. So you can sort it out for yourself, share it with others to engage your organization to find more of that for you. Exactly. Exactly. That's the piece that's going to bring you the fulfillment. Um, And then the opposite side, right? So now we're looking at the right side of this piece of paper. I would ask clients in that top right square to write down, maybe you have knowledge in an area, but you're not specifically enjoying doing that. And I always relate this back to maybe you're really good with advanced Excel formulas, for instance, but you don't enjoy sifting through data and creating these Excel spreadsheets, right? So that's an area, if if you're in a career, for an example, that's an area where a client can offer up training, right? to other colleagues, to mentees, to interns, or to people that actually want to thrive in that area so that they can now train them, use your knowledge, train them, that helps the organization, and then, in a sense, pass it off, right, delegate it after that point. And then the bottom right square, the last of it, is I ask my clients, write down any areas that you don't really particularly feel knowledgeable in and you don't care to learn more about. And these are areas that you just plain out want to delegate, right? There's no training opportunity. You're not seeking that out. And again, everything on this right-hand side is areas that you're not going to raise your hand for. Uh, you're going to look to others around you uh, to thrive in those areas and seek them out to complete it, right? Know where you're good, know where you're not good, and build a team around you to make you, that team, and overall the organization more effective. And it serves you. Uh, because yeah. fundamentally, um, you're training others and, in effect, outsourcing certain functions to other people um, and and punting, in effect, uh, with work that you don't like doing. It, it just doesn't serve you in some way. And then you're identifying areas where in no way, shape or form do you want to ever, ever <laughs> be involved with this, with some alleged growth edge uh, again. True? Right. True. And and don't get me wrong. Anybody is going to go into a job and they're not going to like 100% of the responsibilities they have to do. Inevitably, we're going to have to do some tasks or responsibilities that we don't love. And that's okay. That's, you know, let's call that like the 80-20 rule as an example. 20%, you know you have to do it, might not love it, but you have to do it as a part of the rule. But if you're at that 80% or somewhere around there, you should feel pretty good about, you know, your current situation. There's certain things that no matter what you say and no matter what you do comes with the job. Right. It's just the way it is. Uh, <laughs> it, it's the issue of if it's 50-50, how do you start yeah. adjusting, recalibrating the role to help you actually serve the organization better as well as serve yourself better Uh, because I know how it is with me. If I'm resistant to doing something, I just don't do it well. I I procrastinate, put it off, defer, punt, whatever it is, I'm going to try and get rid of it um, and avoid it. And I suspect judging by your answer and the smile, you're the same way too. Absolutely, 100%. And, and this style of exercise, right, this four-quadrant exercise is not only helpful when you're starting the journey of seeking career fulfillment, but it can also make a big impact 
during, let's say you're in your career, during performance evaluations, right? During one-on-one -on -one meetings with leadership, building your brand, building that core message that you want to put out into the universe. Um, and people then know, okay, this is what Alicia wants. So this is what Jeff wants. Let's, we have these new projects coming in. Jeff would be a great person uh, to help co-lead this, to lead this, or to support this, right? Or if you're seeking a job, you know what? I just spoke with Alicia, and she's a part of my network, and she was saying that these are the types of responsibilities that she's looking for. She would be a great candidate, at least to have an initial conversation with. Gotcha. So you've got these definitions uh, that work for you and don't work for you. <laughs> yeah. And thus, you said there's a step two behind this that's really the juicy stuff. Yes. And, and, and part two, again, like you just, you hit the nail on the head. This is where, what is it? The rubber meets the road? Is that the right word? <laughs> but in this exercise, you want to take that four quadrant step and you want to align it, all that feedback with what you are either currently doing or potentially want to do. So, Let's take this for example. Let's say you have the four quadrant exercise complete. You're in your career. What I want you to do is take that exercise and then compare it side by side with your current job description. And when you read your current job description, just the responsibility section. Next to each responsibility, once you read it, I want you to say, does this align with the left side of that four quadrant exercise? If it does, put a plus sign next to it. If it doesn't, put a minus sign next to it. And when you're done with it, I want you to look back and say, okay, what's the percentage of alignment from my job description to my four quadrant exercise? And, and continuing with this 80-20 theme, if you're 80-20, you know, I will, I, doing things in your responsibilities that I like to do and I want to do more of, I would say that's a pretty good indicator of career fulfillment. But on the flip side, if you were 80-20 doing things that either you don't really have the knowledge in or don't care to learn more about, that's a sign that you need to start to be more um, energized and put more time into figuring out what may, would make the career fulfillment and where could you raise your hand to do certain projects uh, to gain more of the um, stuff you want to do, want to learn more of, and have the knowledge in. It's interesting because, you know, I think there are a lot of jobs that are structured in a way where people would be looking more at the right column than the left column. Uh, where the primary responsibilities weigh more heavily that way. And I hear you talk in terms of working internally to make the adjustment. Uh, and I think that's always the starting point because they know, like, trust and respect you. They want to keep employees, yada, yada, yada. And I'm wondering for individuals who are, you know, they, they know the job is really 80-20 the wrong way. Right. How do they start figuring out what to do next externally if that's really the, what the choice is going to be? Yeah, well, that, and that's a great question. And I want to start with my own experience. So I was in corporate America. I was in accounting and tax. And I had the opportunity to work with a lot of college interns and when I started to do this style of exercise, this four quadrant exercise, I said, okay, I know that I like the people management side. I know I like to work with the, the younger generation. I'd love to see where there are other opportunities that I can, again, raise my hands up. So as an example, 
when human resources would send out an email to everybody and say, hey, we have this opportunity where we want college, the college interns to learn about a day in the life of, and then, you know, all of the different style of employees in their roles. So I would immediately raise my hand and say, I, I want to do, I would like to do that. And I continue to do that. So again, if a, a leader on my team sent out an email and say, you know, we want to do more learning, uh, lunch and learns, right? Where we're having somebody present about something that, you know, the rest of the team doesn't really know much about. I would raise my hand. And I always felt like those were the days when I left the office and I felt the best. It was when I had the opportunity to educate others and to work with the career development component of the people around me. So that's just one way is either actively listening to what's out there in your company when, you know, these company-wide emails go out and raising your hand for those, or start to, let's say I was in accounting and tax, and I and this is part of what I did. If I want to get into a, more of a career advising space, what I started to do, what I started to network with people that were, you know, university relations um, in HR, right? Or the mm -hmm. people that were hosting the college career fairs, and I had conversations with them. So if you understand what you want, then it's going out and seeking either people already in those opportunities or actively listening to your surroundings and raising your hand when something clicks. Gotcha. And it starts internally again. Because yes. that tends to be the path of least resistance, usually, because they already know you and they have a sense of you before you start looking to the outside. Yeah. And and, and you're saying it, when we're talking about internally, obviously within the company, but this same style of exercise can be used externally, right? You can take that four quadrant exercise and you can say, you know, I'm interested in these types of roles. And you can look up a job description. Let's say you wanted to be, you know, a marketing manager. You could look up a marketing manager position, whether it's in a target company or not, and just say, all right, based on this job description, based on my four quadrant exercises, where does the feedback line up? Uh, am I closer to that 80-20? And again, I'm just using that as an example. Am I closer to that 80-20 or am I not? Um, and then continue to pursue job descriptions um, until you find that match. And then you, from there, you really have conversations, as I said, whether it's internally at a company in your network or externally with people from your alumni group or, or otherwise. It's interesting. Um, one thing uh, I'm aware of from my time doing search is how many people who want to do a transition and they're clear about what it is they want to do, but the learn part that they want to learn, they're kind of expecting the next organization to do it for them. Um, and especially the more senior you are, the harder it is to get that, folks, uh, because they're expecting a more finished product, not a finished product, but a more finished product to walk in the door if they're going to pay you um, a manager and above kind of compensation. Is that your experience with the people that you're coaching? Absolutely. And, and that's part of the reason why if a client comes to me and they're thinking about jumping ships, kind of depending on where they are um, in their professional career, um, it might make more sense to stay within an organization, gain certain experience that you can then take with you uh, to explore those opportunities where they want you to be more well-rounded uh, in, in certain areas. And sometimes it's possible to do volunteer work 
to pick up yeah. that experience, those experiences. Sometimes it's coursework uh, to pick up that knowledge that's needed. This is a nice little model that helps me you know, formalize certain things I've been doing for years. Uh, yeah. But I, I never created a model around it. Uh, so yeah. it's just a nice little setup that allows people to figure out, okay, this is where, in my language is, you know, this is where I'm world-class. This is what I do extremely well and what I like yeah. doing. This is where, and again, my language, not yours. This is where there's a knowledge deficiency I need to fill. And I really want to fill this in order to be able to do it. On the other yeah. hand, and then, you know, the other hand is, get me the hell away from this thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and you bring up a great point, too, about volunteering. Not only does volunteering allow you to gain some potential knowledge areas that you want, but what you're also doing when you're volunteering is you're building your network. Right. And then you can then articulate that message, that core message about what you want in the future. So, again, if it's not staying at your current company, you're talking to a network uh, potentially outside of your company and they know, OK, this is what Jeff wants. And when things come up and they're actively listening, they're going to think of you before somebody else that they don't even uh, realize. And you mentioned something in passing I didn't want to let go by. And that was university alumni groups. Uh, as yeah. being a place to try networking, to connect with people who might get you. How does yeah. that work? Yeah, well, I like the university alumni connections. And the reason I like that, because a lot of people say um, networking seems icky. It seems a little scary. How do I even start the conversation, right? So if you are talking to another alumni, it's a soft opening. It says, hi. I see we're both, you know, I went to Bentley University. I see that we're both Falcons. I'd love to connect. Um, I know that you're in this type of role. I'm interested in transitioning my career into a role like that. Um, I'd love to chat and hear about your days since Bentley, right? So it's a softer connection rather than just, hey, I'm someone random. You've never met me. Let's talk. <laughs> so for the people that are timid, I mean, not that it would normally sound like that, but I'm just saying for the people that are timid, it allows them that confidence to go in with something that they have in common already yeah wherever you can grease the skids for yourself and make it easier rather than fighting to achieve your objective doesn't have to be hard make it easy for yourself and initially you're just having informational conversations with people you know to right. confirm your thinking about a type of role or a specific role and you're learning lunch and learn we're back at lunch and learns here yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> where you find out more so that your risk is minimized. Because if you're changing organizations to do something similar but complementary or completely different, you don't want to take that step and risk failing. Absolutely. So let's look at this from a job search perspective, because we figured out the good stuff, the bad stuff. And or is informational interviewing really the path for people to go to test their hypothesis of roles? Is it looking at job ads? Is it all of the above? When you're working with people and they're transitioning out of an organization, um, where, do, where do they tend to find that role beyond simply um, their current firm? Right. So going through the style of exercise, what this does is brings people uh, the confidence that they need 
to start communicating this externally. Let's say they're trying to leave their current company. It brings them the confidence. And I think confidence in your message is key before even getting out there and networking. Um, really, the next step for me is making sure that whatever your message is saying, before you even get to a resume, right, whatever your message is that you want to articulate in person or via Zoom or however you're going to chat, make sure it lines up with your online brand. Because if what you're saying and your online brands are two totally different things, or even even just different slightly somehow, right? If I if before let's I'll bring back a personal example. When I was transitioning or trying to transition from accounting and tax to career development, initially my entire LinkedIn profile had everything to do with accounting and tax rules. But what I started to do was I started to transition my LinkedIn profile to specifically highlight where I was able to work with whomever it was, but at that point, college interns, where I was able to work in career development roles. So I wanted to make sure that my messaging aligned in through my voice, but also with my online brand. So that's, you know, that next step. And then I would really recommend, as we just mentioned, starting with your alumni and going on LinkedIn, seeing who works in some of your target companies, seeing um, who works in potentially roles that you're interested in, and having these conversations, reaching out and having informational interviews. And then from there, if the opportunities exist within your target companies, maybe there are actually open roles at that given time, writing, um, potentially applying if it's already open, but if you hear that through your network conversations that, you know, we are growing and eventually down the road, there's gonna be an opportunity like this, write a personal letter of interest, you know, to the decision makers, right? Whether that's a recruiter, whether that's somebody in the department uh, that you've built a connection with, or if you know the hiring manager, all the better, right? Again, you're trying to get your message out there consistently to as many people of your target audience uh, that you can. And even when we're sleeping nowadays, our message is working for us. If you have it appropriately branded through your online social media profile. Oh, you put a smile on my face when you spoke about branding, because frankly, yeah. I know so few, so many people struggle with the concept of them branding themselves. And it's not a tag name like the big game hunter, which I, <laughs> which I trademarked years ago. It has nothing to do with that. It's who you are, how you're seen and perceived, what your reputation is, how you present yourself so that you can cut the line mentally and get to the front. And you're not just simply another fish in the pond trying to jump on that one hook through the applicant tracking system. Um, it's so hard to do it that way. That's why it's called the black hole. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the goal from there, what I'm hearing you say, is congruence between your message, the brand, uh, and your social media presence, and how you're presenting yourself so that in this way there's no disconnect. There's a disconnect between the two people scratch their heads and they go on to the next person. It's not believable to them. Uh, and, and thus, you have to create a LinkedIn profile, any other place that you present on social in a way that shows you well for what it is you want to be doing next. Got that? Uh, do I have that right? That's two thumbs up from my side. Uh, fabulous. <laughs> so thus, you know, what I also heard you talk about 
was talking to people not applying through the applicant tracking system, although you may be forced to do that later on, but having more conversations to cut the line and avoid the front door. Yeah. <laughs> to me, and folks, if you've seen me uh, at any point before, you know I talk about a front door, a back door, and a side door. It's like it's a nightclub. Uh, so the yeah. front door is the applicant tracking system that's got a bouncer. That's the role of the ATS is to be the bouncer. The back doors where someone slips you in. And then yeah. the side door is that unique way that gets you attention. And I'm not going to go into the side door now, but we're first talking yeah. about the back door. Uh, yeah. That allows you someone to bring you in. Right. So Yeah, and, and, and I, I was going to just add to that is I think it's inevitable we're going to be applying online, especially for mid-sized firms and, and larger firms. It's inevitable, right? But if you have relationships outside of just – if you have a relationship with somebody within the organization, um, you could submit or you're going to submit online the, your application, but then follow up with – the big piece is following up with the people that you know or that target, sorry, the network that you know within that target uh, company and say, hey, I did go ahead and apply. Thanks so much for our conversation. And I've attached my resume. And you can do it in two formats. You can do, you know, a human friendly one, right? That is, you know, pretty and nice. But then there's also another style of resume that's more ATS friendly, right? That's hopefully just getting the information in the door. Um, but the human being on the other end now sees this human friendly, I call it, resume uh, that they can pass along to the right individuals um, if they enjoyed your conversation and see a fit. Gotcha. So, Alicia, what haven't we covered yet that we really should? What would really serve the audience well that we haven't hit on yet? Yeah, so I I, I recently heard an author, Mark Lachance, he's a.k.a. Um, Mr. Lucky, right? And he speaks about success equaling luck. And I hear that a lot, like, oh, well, you're just lucky or, you know, they're successful and it's just, it's all luck and, and they knew people, right? But he, ha Mark Lachance has a book out and it's called uh, The Lucky Formula. And I love the breakdown of the definition of this equation. And it's success equaling internal mastery plus external mastery plus action equals luck. So what's internal mastery? Think of 20 things that you're successful at. Add to that your external mastery, which is who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you learning from, right? We're the average of the five people that we hang around with most or whatever the saying is. And, and what are you learning about, right? How are you learning, whether books or otherwise? And then action is taking the action to be successful. And if you take all that, that internal mastery, that external mastery, and that action, yes, then success and luck are interchangeable. But there's a lot of time and energy that goes behind the luck component of this. And I say luck in quotes, right? And that's the same thing that we're talking about here is yes, career fulfillment is possible, but it's only possible and attainable if you're gonna put in that time and energy. I don't know many people that said from day one, they wanna be this and they're still that at retirement. And if they are, it's because one of two things. They did enjoy it, but they worked their butt off while there, right? And they kept growing as an individual. Or they didn't love it, but it was the job security and financial space 
that they needed for their lifestyle. And I, I want to say that that's great and that's okay too. Not everybody necessarily is searching for career fulfillment. They might just say, I need a paycheck and I need job security. And either way, both of those are a privilege to have in our lifetime. So whatever anyone chooses works for them. But from my angle, career fulfillment is possible if people want it. I agree. I'm going to add one thing into that formula only to make sure it's said expressly. And that that is, there has to be an answer to the question of who knows about you. Because you could be masterful, you know, you could be wonderful, but if no one knows about you, you're invisible. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's part of the external mastery component too. Right. Uh, That's why I want to say it expressly uh, because People somehow think they can stay in their cocoon, you know, their home, their office, never extend themselves outside to other people and have individuals suddenly arrive at their doorstep and go, you're wonderful. It doesn't work that way, folks. And you know that. But the idea just becomes you have to also expressly make sure people know that you're world-class, that you have this expertise uh, and not just rely upon them finding your profile on LinkedIn. That's like the minimum viable product that you have a LinkedIn profile that tells people about your capabilities. And I have to admit though, after you put in this time and energy, right, going through this process, it feels like things just start falling um, at your front doorstep. And, and sometimes it's like this, this, um, it's almost in disbelief that all that time and energy that you put into it actually worked. And you're like, I can't believe it. Everything's just, you know, falling into place. And you start to second guess that all the work you did was what created it. Um, but it did. And it's exciting when it starts to happen, <laughs> whether that you're a professional in your career or you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, or whatever the case may be. But it, it, it is, Fulfillment in more just than just your career. I would say closer to life fulfillment too. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Heartily. Alicia, this has been fabulous. How can people find out more about you, the work that you do? Everything, please. Sure. Go if you go to mindfulcareerpath.com, um, everything is there. My contact information, my social media links, um, the services we offer, and I would Love it. If you connect with me on LinkedIn, say you heard me on the show, and I'd love to hear from you and hear all about your career fulfillment. And I'll have a link to where you can find the four quadrants exercise as well in the show notes, too. Alicia, thank you. And folks, we'll be back soon with more. I'm Jeff Alpin, the Big Game Hunter. Hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you didn't, you're watching on YouTube or listening to this in podcast form. Share it. Leave a comment. You know, thumbs up. Do something that lets people know it was worthwhile. Also, I invite you over to my website, thebiggamehunter.us, where there's a ton in the blog that will help you. Plus, you can find out about my courses, books, and guides. Schedule time for a free discovery call or time for coaching so I can help you. Lastly, connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash The Big Game Hunter. Have a terrific day. And most importantly, be great. Take care.